Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Jared. How about yourself? I'm not doing too bad. I'm, uh, I'll just throw it out there now. I'm in COVID protocols, unfortunately. Got put on the 10-day IL, however you want to want to call that. So if I, uh, if I cough or sneeze or something like that, I apologize. I don't think you can get it um, if you're listening to this. Oh. I don't think you can get it either, Nate, because we're not in the same uh, same room, same house, um, same city, by fact. But uh, but yeah, I hope everybody's doing good out there. And as everybody likes to know, I like to start this podcast off with a question. And my question for you, Nate, is: Has player development gone too far? Is I'm going to make you think about this, and I'll I'll let you think. I was scrolling through Twitter, and um, actually, this kind of goes back to something that Ruben Amaro Jr had mentioned um, in some random conversation. I'll, I'm sure that it has been around. I saw um, Victor Rojas commented on it as well. And it, there were a lot of intriguing people, um, SoCal um, people, I think Prospects Live. I can't think of what his name was. Um, he shoots all the videos. You see him all over, uh, all over Instagram and Twitter. He was, he was mentioned in it, but the original post had to do with a kid, maybe 18 years old. He was wearing a breathing mask um and he was had sensors all over him to see you know everything about that you know and i'm all for technology to a certain degree and i think you probably are too but i want to know at that point has player development gone too far absolutely it has i mean i I think one of the first things that a lot of old-time baseball players will tell you is these kids are specializing way too early. You know, they're, they're starting to only play baseball at six, seven years old. And it's like, I, I would love, like, as a college recruiter, I would love to, to watch a guy who can play two or three sports. You know, if you're playing football, basketball, baseball, like the different, the different stuff that you're able to do in football and basketball to help you for baseball is huge. And, you know, the, you're, you're starting to see guys who are, like, really good at baseball and they're just calling quits because they're, tired of just only playing baseball so that's the first thing second thing when it gets when it comes to like just player development straight up honestly I I think the biggest thing too is like you're you're getting teams who are just saying like uh I want to fix this this and that it's like well you drafted him for a reason you know like there was a reason you took him in the first round and it was not because you hated his swing or it's not because you hated his fastball or whatever it is like you're you're spending a first round pick which is anywhere between you know three million and like seven or eight million dollars on this kid like why are we drafting kids and trying to change everything about them to make them into robots so they all look the exact same and that's kind of my biggest thing about it is like you you got to let these kids be them and I think that's one thing that, that we talk about the college level too is like we recruited the kid for a reason. We brought him in for a reason. Maybe we saw something at the time, but we're not coming in here to change everything about this guy. And I think that's what, what everything has come down to is like, you got all these hitting gurus and like, they're like, okay, uh, let me see what I can do to make this, make somebody want to buy this. And it's like, eh. you know, you're, you're trying to turn everyone into the same hitter and you can't do that. You've got certain guys who are five foot eight that are like, let me go slap hit. Let me get on top of the plate. Let me David Eckstein this. And 
you know, put the ball in play, do whatever I need to do. And then you've got Aaron Judge. And it's like, it's the funniest thing to me when you see hitting coaches on, on Twitter and, and YouTube talk about, like, oh, let's, let's hit the ball like Aaron Judge. It's like, okay, there's only one guy who's six foot seven, 260, pounds. Yeah, he's a freak of nature. Yeah. He's a freak of nature. So why are we trying to teach our 12-year-olds how to hit like Aaron Judge? None of them are in judge. So that, that, that's kind of where I, I'm at with, with the player development. Like, I love it. I, I think that you really do have to develop these guys because they're not going to get better without help. But the way that we're, the way we're doing this now is like everyone has to be the same. Um, everyone has to do exactly uh, the same things. And it's turning into, you know, I mean, you look at the Angels farm system and it's Joe Dell very similar to Jeremiah Jackson and you just go through and it's like, we got a lot of the same guys. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I think it's bad. I think some interesting points that you, you bring up is the first mistake that I made as a coach uh, was to make cookie cutters. And, and that's, that was my first biggest mistake. Like I went in and saying and said like, you guys need to do this, 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 and this. And that was my first, that was my first mistake, not realizing that everybody is different in in a, in the biggest way possible you know like that that's the biggest key like you know and and it, once you learn that everybody's not the same it becomes a lot easier you know because you see trends you know you see guys that do things similar it's like oh try this i think it might help and it and or try this it might help and then becomes a then becomes a trial and error game uh on the coaching side of things uh, or player player development side of things and when it comes down to it um but to my original question, I do agree with you. I think that I think that once you start getting into there's two schools of thought. And before I say what I was gonna say, there's two schools of thought. There's the old school thought, which you mentioned, you know, it's like you don't need any of this analytics, you don't need any of this. And then there's the only data driven side, if that makes sense. And and you get understand both sides. Like you look at the data side and you're you think, well, you know, like this the numbers back up what we thought and then there's the old school side which is you know let's look at it let's look and see what we can do you know and this was what this conversation was all about too was an old school thinking and a new school thinking i think you got to kind of find that middleman i think that's where a lot of people suffer like you can't just do driveline i mean you can 100 percent, but you can't just rely on that side of things like driveline isn't going to work for everybody if you are a again like you said five foot eight you know, slap hitter, left-handed hitter, driveline's not the thing for you, you know, 100%. I think that's where the Angels faltered a little bit in the past with changing guys' swings and changing guys' stuff. In the past was that previous GMs, and I don't need to say the names, but previous GMs were very, you know, one-minded, where you need to do it this way, you need to do it this way. And I feel like I, I think that Perry's kind of that way too. And that's fine. You know, GMs can have their school of thought. Um, and coaches can definitely have their school of thought and, you know, hitting coaches can have their school of thought as well. But I think the best coaches, the best player development, you know, pinpoint the strengths. That's actually another question I want to get into, but I think the best, I think the best coaches pinpoint strengths of their players and, and work well off of those rather than, you know, try to build up weaknesses, if that makes sense. But I think there's a school, I think there's a, I think there is something you can do with that does that make sense to you yeah the university of michigan is one of the best uh teams when it comes to talking about this i actually got a 
a chance to uh, talk a little bit with the head coach at the University of Michigan. He talked about they have a system that they go through and they will rank you one to seven based on your flexibility with your ankles, your flexibility with your rotator cuff, your flexibility with this, everything, right? So they have their checklist. And based on that number, it gives you a, a number. And the closer to zero you are, the better. They've only had one guy in the in their history since he's been there that's been a zero. Or, or maybe it was a, neg- uh, a positive one, which it, it was like the lowest number he's ever seen. And what he found out is the guys who weren't as flexible with, you know, maybe their ankle, they weren't able to um, – to, to get underneath the baseball as well. Or, you know, he had a guy who his rotator cuff wasn't as uh, flexible as, as another guy. And so it, the way he taught hitting depended on how flexible you were in, in different areas. And it was like, wow, that that's unbelievable that you're teaching hitting depending on what body parts can do what. Because every just because this position is best for you, it might not be the best position for me to, to explode or, or whatever it is. So... I thought that was really interesting. The way they do is is amazing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and another thing that I want to you know point on that you mentioned earlier was the athleticism side of thing. I think that everybody wants athletes, right? Like that's the number one thing. Like that's what I was told. I, that was the first question that I asked when I went out and scouted was, what are we looking for? You know, I don't know what we're looking for. Like, are we? Are you, do you want guys that are just going to drop bombs? Do you want guys that you know are going to you know hit for average? Maybe guys that you know are are good characters, you know, and such like that, that are going to be good clubhouse guys. And they said, you know, we're not looking for anybody in particular. We just want good athletes. Go out and find us some good athletes. And I think that's kind of the thought process for everybody is going get good athletes because that's just kind of the way that it's, that it's been. And the angels have done that. Right. That's why you draft up the middle. That's why you draft short. Why you draft up the middle. hundred percent. Why you draft up the middle. And to this point, what is, what do we think has been the problem with the angels who have done exactly what we mentioned? This is exactly the thought process that we have, we've gone through. And this is why I say that, you know, maybe when the angels start doing stuff that I don't understand, they're going to start getting better. And I think you, you kind of understand that too. Like Joe Adele makes a lot of sense. You know, he's an athlete. He's a dude. Jordan Adams makes sense. He's a freaking athlete. He's a dude. Brandon Marsh athlete, Jeremiah Jackson, or uh, Jeremiah Jackson, athlete, Jemai Jones, athlete. All these guys are, athletes you guys are unbelievable and i'm forgetting a, a whole bunch too kyron, pitchers, kyron paris athlete you know and even the pitchers the angels have drafted have been stupid athletic like eric rivera two-way william holmes two-way like these guys are athletes what's the problem you know like and, and i know we don't have an answer to that like and i'm not going to ask you to answer that because we don't know like if we knew obviously we i mean we wouldn't be here <laughs> We, we wouldn't be – I wouldn't be doing marketing and, and you wouldn't be coaching in, in college. We'd be coaching at the major league level. We'd be in the front office. But that's, that's just where I, I struggle at the end of the day. I just don't understand why it hasn't worked out for the Angels. And that's why the Sam Bachman thing – I don't understand the Sam Bachman pick. I'll say that right now. It is what it is. Like, you don't have to understand things. I know. I know your face. Yeah. I don't understand the Sam Bachman pick. I, 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 I've, I've gone back and forth. And, Nate, we talked about this. I think with Taylor um, on this podcast, and I think, you know, we've, we've done it quite a few. We've, we've mentioned it off the record is what is Sam Bachman down the road? Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? Is he a dude? Is he a closer? I, I don't know, you know, and, and I guess it might be a good thing. 
at the end of the day when I don't know things, <laughs> you know, I guess again, you can do a trend, you know, if you all are saying, but I don't know if you have anything else to, to add to this. I just, I saw that and I was like, that's kind of an interesting thing to start off with is I just player development. I think there is no such thing as player development anymore, but at the same time, I think that player development is super important. Is that, is that a weird premise to think about? A little bit. It is really funny, though, when you when you look at some of these young guys who come up and it's the exact same swing and the exact same problem. It's like, all right, it's not going to work here. Like, yeah, I worked in, in AAA where the guy was throwing 92, but you get up here and it's 95, 97, 98, and it's the same exact swing. So It's a game of adjustments, though. You think about, it, like, who's the best adjuster in baseball ever, right, like that we've ever seen, should we say? Like, we've been doing this for – Yeah, I was going to say Tony Gwynn is probably the best one. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. I was going to say Tony Gwynn because that guy. I, mean, but I, I, I didn't watch Tony Gwynn. Like that was, I didn't see him. Like I'm sure that he was a great adjuster, but Mike Trout's the best adjuster of all time. Like you look at what he's done. Like his first year, they were like, well, we're going to start, you know, like this kid had an amazing year. What's his weakness? Mm-hmm. Highball, right? What was the next thing he went out and did? Highball. Freaking started hitting the highball. He laid off the highball, you know, and he became a great, you know, like that was like, oh, well, now where do we pitch Mike Trout? Okay, we can go down in the zone let's pitch him uh, let's let's go off speed to him starts crushing sliders away and he starts crushing those change-ups the chris sale i uh, was at a chris sale slider or chris sale changeup. Yeah. that i mean that I, i'm just saying like it's it I, I think at the end of the day it's it's an adjustment thing um and i don't know how to how do you how do you figure out adjustments like I, that that's i think at the end of the day like who adjusts well like is that like a do you start giving guys tests like was billy was was Billy Epler on the right track with giving guys tests? <laughs> you know, like, does that make, like, the smarter the player you are, the better you are to adjust it? Like, are we saying Mike Trout's the smartest player and the best player? You know, like, there's, there's so many different schools of thought. I, I just – that's, I guess, why baseball is so amazing. Yeah. I think that there are different things. Like, it's funny, my alma mater has been in, in the news a lot lately. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, the hitting coach for the Yankees and the hitting fo- coach for the Orioles are from Southeast Missouri. They were there uh, the year before I got there. And they were huge on trying to talk to hitters about, all right, you're going to watch half of the deli- – you're going to watch the delivery and halfway to the plate, and you're going to tell me what pitch it was and whether it's a strike or a ball. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, there's – 15 pitchers on this team they all throw from different slots they all throw different pitches and not only do I have to know what this guy's throwing I have to know if it's a strike or not like that that's something that uh, I I think would be really helpful for everyone because now now you're working on what am I looking for you know so I don't know it's an interesting way now, of is that old is that old school thinking or new school thinking like, I think that, little, you know like I think that's, that's the happy look back to that I think that's the happy medium that you're looking for. They're using a little bit of the, the technology, which you like, but it's also like, Hey, what pitch are we trying to hunt? Like you, you have guys who you ask them, Hey, what's, what's your approach at the plate? And they're like, hit the ball. Like, okay. But that's not your approach. Your approach has got to be, you know, I'm looking for this pitch and I'm looking, you know, a lot of guys that say I'm looking fastball. I'm looking, you know, these three spots of the zone. And, and if I get that pitch, I'm going to drive it. If I don't get that pitch, I'm going to take it. I'm going to move on and change my approach depending on maybe the count or the pitcher and things like that. It's like, okay, like that's an approach. And so I, I think giving them the knowledge of, hey, this is what a strike looks like. This is what a ball looks like. This is what a slider looks like. Especially, you know, some guys, I'm sure you've played with some guys where it's like, man, that guy has the best slider I've ever seen. 
And some guys it's like, man, that slider just spins. And so it, it's an opportunity for you to see a, a lot of different stuff. And I think that's a, a really, really important thing is just hitters have got to see the baseball. They've got to see as much as they possibly can. So I think it's a, in between, which is what you're looking for. But interesting thought. Yeah. And I mean, kind of wrap this full circle. It's something that I think when it comes to seeing the ball, the Angels haven't seen the ball very well at home against lefties. And that's been a big thing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's super weird that, you know, now this, this conversation is going full circle, but Angels haven't seen the ball very well against lefties. And I wonder, you know, you got to think maybe that goes down to AAA. Maybe it's something with a AAA park. I doubt it. I think it's actually, in a sense, been proved that there's something in the outfield uh, with Angel Stadium. And, I, and I've mentioned this, too, with, with Mike Trout playing center field and him not being a good defensive center fielder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got, it's, got, it's got to be one of the hardest parks to see the ball off the bat at Angel Stadium. You know, it's not easy. I mean, you have green seats and everything, but, you know, there's a lot of different colors going up. I mean, it's a lot of different shades, a lot of different everything uh, going up in the air uh, behind home plate. You know, it's not just a plain background. Yeah. Like most ballparks. So, I don't know. There's a lot of lot of things that go into it and a lot of things that I I don't know. You know, it's just – it's it's an interesting thought. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos and watching this podcast. Um just want to say thanks to those. I think we got seven subscribers, which is bigger than I was assuming. I mean, we're just doing this because it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. And, and now you get to see our ugly mugs. And it's another place that if you want to join us, you, uh, you know, can hop on and you can see your ugly mug as well. So I don't know if that's a good thing to say or not, but, but yeah, you know, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple or, or wherever you listen to it, don't forget to subscribe to that podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Oh, and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. You can find us talking halos. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to try to keep this going as long as we can. Of course, something comes up where we can't record. We'll still be doing podcasts, I think, but you know, we just might not see us on YouTube and such like that. Uh, But like I said, it's, it's a good thing for us. And I'm hoping when we get guests on, it'll be a little bit cooler um, to see their face as well. And uh, like I said, you can, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tim's. You can follow Nate at Nate Green 34. And of course, follow Brock at BDROX. He couldn't join us tonight. He's has work and he's going to get, like we mentioned before, he's going to get married pretty soon. So he's getting going through all of that stuff, but he'll be joining us probably once, maybe twice a week, depending on his schedule. So Nate, I guess news, baseball news, angels news. What do you want to go with first? You want to talk a little Rick, is it Rick Waltz? Old Angel, now ex-Angels announcer, or do you want to talk Ken Rosenthal? Let's talk Rosenthal first. Good. Good choice, because I didn't really want to talk about Ken Wal- or Rick Waltz all that much. Um, no, I did, but let's talk a little Ken Rosenthal came out the other day. What do we got? Two days ago? Was it today, or was it two days ago? Two days two ago. Days. Yeah. Came out two days ago that he was going to be let go by MLB Network because of him criticizing – Rob Manfred. Now, this is the most political thing that baseball has ever done, besides taking the the All Star game away from uh, Atlanta this last year for whatever reasons. Me and Nate are the least political people out there, and and if you follow us, you know that we don't talk politics, we don't do that type of thing. But this starts feeling really political all of a sudden when when you start losing a job because you start criticizing somebody and. And I get, I understand that you have to watch what you say about people. Like, you know, I mean, players can't say bad things about their owners. I mean, they can if they're making enough money, if they're good enough players and such like that. And Ken Rosenthal is a a damn good reporter and he's going to find a job somewhere else. But it just seems, it seems very tough 
of a situation to let somebody like that go just because of some things said. I didn't read into it. I don't know exactly what Rosenthal said. Uh, it, it just it just doesn't look like a very good thing going on there right now. Yeah, not at all. And I mean, it's it's not good when sport is turning into uh, not a democracy. I mean, that's what that's what we want. We want multiple people to be able to say things, and we don't want the dictatorship. I mean, when, once you get the dictatorship, you're going to get a lot of guys who aren't going to want to play, and this is not going to go well for everyone. This is going to turn into a bloodbath, and it's going to be every man for himself. And you know, we might not play baseball this year because of something stupid like this, just because the players are going to be like, are you kidding me? Now, now we can't tell you that you suck at your job. I mean, I mean, did he, did he tell the truth? Probably, probably so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it's going to turn into a, a big deal for these players. The players already had, you know, what we think is not even that big of a deal, what they're asking for now on top of it, it's going to be like, so Trevor Bauer probably will never play baseball again based on how he talks about Rob Manfred. And, you know, like there could be other players who, who say things and, you know, something like this happens where Manfred basically calls the owners and says, uh, if you want to continue owning a team, you're not going to sign this guy. And he has that kind of power and we don't want that. That's going to be a big, big problem in this game is if he thinks he has more power than he should. And, you know, Rosenthal is amazing. I think he's still going to get the scoop. I think he's still going to get the stories because everyone knows and trusts him and they believe in what he says. Um, he's, it's funny, whenever he posts something about like, you know, this just in, the Angels signed this person or the Angels made this trade, it's 100%. Yeah. It's 100%. Like that guy's never wrong. There's no Bob Nightingale or, you know, whoever else. Jared, Jared Timms. There's no Jared Timms. <laughs> yeah, there's there's none of those people where it's like, hey, they said this was going to happen. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen. Rosenthal, when Rosenthal reports it, it's like a player might not know that it's happening. But when he sees uh, why Ken Rosenthal, he's like, oh, crap, I just got traded. <laughs> so I, I think because he's done such a good job um, in, in the game, he's going to continue to get everything he needs to and continue to be a, a well-respected reporter in the game. I just think that he won't be working as he won't be on TV with MLB Network, but he will still be their source for a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a shame. It really is when you, uh, and I think I, I, I want to give credit where credit's due because I think Taylor Blake Ward said this uh, or said something along the lines of it, but it's a shame that Ken Rosenthal was doing his job and got fired for doing his job and Rob Manfred isn't doing a damn thing. You know, it just starts becoming rough. And, and again, I, I have to emphasize this so much. We are not political. Don't care about politics. Like, it's the last thing we care about. We just want to talk about sports. We want to talk about this, that, and another. But when something looks political, you got to kind of point it out. And it's kind of where that, that lies, unfortunately. And that, that's not somewhere that I want to go to at all by any means because that's not, it's not who we are. That's not who we are here. Uh, that's not a place that we want to go. If you want to, you know, talk about that, go, you know, go listen to political radio or something like that. You know, that's just kind of not where we're at. But unfortunately, that's just, a, it. it's a tough thing with what happened to Ken Rosenthal. You know, there's there's a time and place where you don't talk about stuff. And we've talked about this off the record a lot, where, you know, you don't, you don't talk about stuff. You know, you, you hear stuff and you're just like, eh, let's leave that in the back burner. Or you look at like the Astros, uh, that whole thing. Um, that was something that was out there for a long time. 
and that obviously Major League Baseball didn't want to go out there forever, obviously. Um, but it got out because of certain players and, and for, you know, whether it was a good thing or bad thing for the game, so be it. It brought a lot of news to baseball and it was actually kind of a lot of fun to, to get through all of that and see how players and see how teams and fans were going to react. But yeah, you know, like, like we mentioned before off the record and we can bring it on the record. It is what it, it is what it is, but you know, we, there are certain things that we learn and we can't talk about and, you know, maybe that was one of the things that, uh, you know, Ken talked about, you know, you just. Is it crazy that this was a year ago? This was not recent. This was a year ago, comments. What Rosenthal came out with? Yeah, it was a year ago. That's, that's a little weird for sure, you know, it, that you said this, but. And but, I like, think the reason for it is, is because negotiations are about to pick up. It's 100%. It has to do with that. Um, it was a year ago he mentioned how poorly Rob Manfred basically negotiate, didn't negotiate in good faith was kind of the way that he talked about where it was like Manfred knew that it, the rules were if he continued to make offers and they didn't accept them, then he could make them sign whatever he wanted them to. So he basically was saying that Manfred wasn't talking or wasn't negotiating in good faith. And, you know, he, he served a quote unquote three month suspension for it where he was still paid, but he was not allowed to be on MLB network for it on the air. And then, you know, I guess because negotiations are coming around again and, you know, they don't want this to become a story of, Hey, Manfred does not negotiate in good faith. He is literally the worst commissioner in all of sports. And I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing for, for Rosenthal. I'm sure he didn't say that, but I know he did say basically that Manfred did not negotiate in good faith. And if that's coming out right before negotiations are, are about to happen, because, you know, Major League Baseball has said we're, we're going to start to negotiate come January. And, you know, I think we, we expect them to, to meet within the next week or so and just kind of start to figure things out. But I think it's very interesting timing for the Ken Rosenthal firing based on what the comments were. You look at uh, you look at what Manfred did during the '94 strike, during the '94 lockout. Actually, he went to a strike, and that's um, that's where it lies. You know, the uh, there. I think a giant misperception is what Rob Manfred does. You know, I think that's a huge thing that people mistake. You know, yes, he is. He's Rob Manfred. He is the commissioner of baseball, but there's a reason why the players are on strike right now. You know, the players are locked out right now. You know, that, 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 that's, there is, that's why Rob Manfred and the players do not, they're not supposed to get along. They get, they're not, they don't get along. That's why they have the union. That's why they have this. Rob Manfred is the union for the owners in a sense. Like that's the way I kind of like to look at it. Rob Manfred is the union for the owners. Rob Manfred's going to back up the owners. And, and that's why I just think it's tough. I, I Rob Manfred, I think that that's why commissioners get a lot of heat too is because they're backing up what the owners do. You know, they're doing what's best for the game and it might not always be good for baseball. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Players side of things. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm not a fan of Manfred. I don't think he's done the right thing for baseball. I think that, I think that at the end of the day, he hasn't, he has nothing to do with baseball. <laughs> It'd be like putting me in me as the commissioner of of the NFL because I'm good at fantasy football, or you as the commissioner of the NBA because you're tall. 
You know, I played, like, whole, I played a year of high school basketball. Yeah, I, I played a year of high school basketball too. And that's more than what Rob Manfred's done for baseball. Rob Manfred yeah, played tennis in high school. He played T-ball. He, he played T-ball. Yes, 100%. So, Reminds me of the Oakland A's comment. Just, it's tough. Like, I mean, I, I, I exactly. I, I never played football. I played T-ball. Great. You're the new head scout. Right. Oh, is that, is that a what? Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. Played play a, play a little T-ball. Perfect. You're the new, you're the new commissioner of baseball. Like that's basically what we're at here. Like the owners wanted somebody that's going to defend them well. And they got Rob Manfred and he's doing a good job of it. You know, like when you look at what he's supposed to do, which is defend the owners and defend major league baseball as an organization, he's doing a good job of it. Now let's talk like two or three months down the road when there's no baseball being played in spring and opening days being pushed back because Rob Manfred is doing his job too well then we're going to have a bit of an issue, but I, I, I'd say. You also know, shouldn't like, be making rules. No, like, 100%. There should be a completely different committee on that side. Which he's doing, and that's like, yeah, 100%. that's the biggest issue I have with him is just stop making rules. 100%. The more and more, you, you, no the more and more you think about this and go into depth about this, there are so many different things wrong. And we've said this before on the show. There are so many things wrong with, with baseball. It's, it's unbelievable. And this is kind of where it starts. I like just thinking about it now, there should be a rules committee. And as weird as that sounds like we're not, Jared, we're not in elementary school. You know, this isn't, there shouldn't be a, this is, it shouldn't be a party planning committee for those who like the office. No, there, there 100% should be because Rob Manfred's making rules for baseball that have nothing to do with what, like he played T-ball. We just talked about this. Like Rob Manfred doesn't understand the game. Like he's never played baseball. Like you want to rule, like bring in a rules committee that has X players on it. Like why is the veterans committee not making, like the veterans committee, I technically think is old players voting. Yeah, like Joe Torre should be Joe Torre should be doing a lot of this. Like he should be in charge of the rules committee with more ex players and ex coaches and saying, "Hey, here are the rules that we think need to be changed and implemented." Like Joe Torre, what does he do right now? He's in charge of suspensions. Like, great. He's doing, he's doing what Brett Hull does in the in NHL for those who like NHL. Like, uh, yeah, it's like come on. We, we can do a little bit more with his job. Brent Shanahan. Sorry, take that back up. Sorry. Like, as I was processing that, Brent Shanahan. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement there. Like, I don't think there's actually, like, a rules committee. Like, there's Joe Torre doing the suspensions and such. But, like, there should be a rules committee of ex-players. Like, that would be the smartest. Like, I would praise Manfred for doing that. Like, in making new rules. That's – that's – that's – that's super. The NFL does that. They, they meet uh, – when do they meet? I think they meet, like – two weeks after the Super Bowl and they kind of talk about, hey, what do we want to implement? And that's when challenging the pass interference became a thing. And then they, they kind of killed that after a year. But it, they had an idea and they, they tried to work with it. It was not like something that people were like, oh, we're, we're not going to allow left-handed quarterbacks to what roll out left. Yeah, like what are we doing here? Like these stupid like three batter minimum rule like that is killing the left-handed pitcher. Like they're – yeah. I mean, you can hear you can hear it in both of our voices. We're if you're watching this, you can see us, which which is even better for us now. You can see that we're frustrated. Um, but yeah, this is uh, I'm I'm glad that we got really deep in this conversation. This is super interesting, and and I know that I want to talk about um, about Rick Waltz. I think is how you pronounce his name. That uh, he announced games for the Angels the in the second half after uh, I forgot who it was. Who was it? Don it was Sutton. Sutton. Yeah, Sutton did it the first half. Um, for the Angels and was let go. I, I, I said it's it's tough to play, replace Victor Rojas because I think Victor and Gooby were were the one of if not the best duos in baseball uh, at, at the end of the day. But uh, man, I 
I thought that either one of those guys could have been perfectly fine, you know, replacing Victor. And, and I hope it's Vaskersian, if anybody, like, I, I don't know if it's going to be Vaskersian, but if there's one guy that's going to replace him, and I think we've said this before on here, if there's one guy that's going to replace Gooby or Victor, um, it, it's got to be Vaskersian, right? I thought I heard Vaskersian say he was going to take more games this year. I hope um, so. Not Obviously, he's still going to do the Sunday night, but I, I don't think he was going to do anything else when it came to MLB and MLB Network games. Like, I think he was just going to do Angels and Sunday night baseball. Or maybe he was going to do no Sunday night baseball, Angels, and like a couple of MLB Network games. I don't remember. I know that he had talked about doing more Angel stuff, which would be amazing. I think that they only need two guys in the booth. I think it's really hard with three guys in the booth. And so that's the one thing that, that kind of sucks about Vaskersian is, you know, if he is only going to be there for four, you know, four games a week out of six or seven, and they've got to find somebody to take over the three or four, it's like, well, they probably should just do it, you know, all seven. And it's like, well, you know, then you have three people in the booth with Vaskersian there. And it's like, you have too many people. I think you have too many cooks in the kitchen. So I think as long as Vaskersian can, can get to, you know, 150 plus games, like it's great. But but when you are start throwing three people in the mix, and it's like, oh, we've got to hear Vaskersian, we've got to hear it's just too many. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I hope it's Vaskersian at the end of the day. Like I liked Sutton, I I did. I know a lot of people kind of criticized him. I thought he had some good calls. Same thing with with uh, Rick Waltz. I thought he did a fantastic job. I feel like I'm mispronouncing his name, and I probably am. Um, but I thought he did a fantastic job as well. Uh, both of them. You know, best of luck wherever they go. I think Sutton's actually does uh, Baseball America stuff, or he does stuff for Perfect Game. I think he announces those games, which is pretty cool. Um, does a fantastic job. And that was one of the cool things that I liked about um, Sutton was that he brought in a lot of the college side of things. Like, he'd be like, oh, this guy went to this school where they're known for this, this, this. It's like, well, that's kind of a cool side of things. Like, I don't know. you got to be known well, for something. Yeah, the, the only thing about him was it felt like there were too many stories about him and, like, oh, this is what I used to, you know, follow my dad around and do this and that. And it's like, okay, like, at least when Vince Scully told his stories, it was like, hey, I, I talked to this guy beforehand. And, you know, this is a story he told about me. And, like, he made it about the players. And, and it kind of felt like Sutton was like, hey, remember my dad? Remember when I used to, you know, walk around? Like, okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I said, I, I like both of them. He was great. It was just that kind of thing for me where it's just like, Thank goodness the Angels have – we've been blessed, uh, honestly, to have pretty dang good announcers, whether it's uh, Rex and Rex and Fiziok. I thought they were really good. Um, or Victor and Gooby. You know, I, I feel like the Angels have had really good announcers, you know, and, and I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I hope Vaskersian's around for a while. So, Nate, any final thoughts before I let everybody go? So, I did look it up, and see, Bud Seeley did come out with an MLB Rules Committee in 2005. I don't know if it still exists, but he did create one. The problem is... Uh, I don't think... I, I, I would be surprised if there was an MLB rules committee, being that uh, Rob Manfred's taking a lot of the credit for a lot of these rules that are going on. Um, I don't know. But the problem with this rules committee is they were all either GMs, owners, or presidents of teams. There was only one... Looks like there was only one coach. There was one or two umpires in here, and there was one coach, and he didn't even have a vote. And it's the head coach of <clears throat> North Carolina because he is the president of USA Baseball. So I, I think the idea is good. They, they probably need some 
some fresh faces because you know GMs and owners like need some players in there. And like I know that I know the men- the players mentioned that they like the seven inning doubleheaders and and you know if that's a thing I'm all for it. At the end of the day, like it's players like it, you got to go with what the players like. You know, I still vote for the old college seven and nine, but you know. Yeah, maybe work at the end of the day. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos, making us one of, if not the best podcast around. Uh, if you could subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it, leave us a review. And thank you, and have a great rest of your day. Oh, dear. That's tough. Mm-hmm.